Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name. Good coffee with great conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. All right, well, welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast. I am your host, Larry Vincent. Uh, and with me today is a, uh, a very special guest, one of my, one of my uh, favorite people in the church, one I look up to quite a bit. Uh, he he is currently off of the elder board at our church. However, the way I consider it, once an elder, always an elder. Um, and and so uh, I am I am just humbled to have <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, Walt Brown uh, here on the podcast. Hello, Walt. You've rendered me speechless already. <laughs> See, that's yes. how I do. I know we're going to debate today, so I'm going to butter you up before I ultimately destroy you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mission accomplished. <laughs> um, and Walt uh, is here because today's topic is something that is uh, near and dear to his heart. Um, I, at least I think it is, after all the conversations. If there's one thing that Walt Brown is known for in our church, uh, outside of Jesus, it's, uh, it's politics. Um, and, and, you know, Walt, uh, you know, you, you, you just love politics, don't you? Uh, certain aspects of it. Yeah. Um, there may not be a complete, uh, picture, um, that you have about all that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not enamored with certain aspects of politics by a long shot. Well, that's fair. I mean, who's completely in love with, with, yeah. with, with, uh, with politics? Uh, but you know, you, you you're pretty invested yeah, I'd say I, I know a lot about the process, yeah. Larry, about the mechanics, and through uh, several organizations and boards I've been on, I've gotten a pretty clear look at uh, how the process works, how laws get made, particularly on the state level, and uh, it causes you sometimes to shake your head and other times to wonder how anything gets passed. <laughs> yeah. Now, you've been on campaigns before, is that right? That's right. I served as uh, the treasurer for a gentleman that ran for the U.S. Senate. Uh, it's been over six years ago now, okay. and that was uh, very uh, educational. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you're you're good friends with Senator Crane as well. Yep. Is, that co- is that correct? Yes, I've participated in John's one campaign that he's had so far. He yeah. he was elected uh, four years ago. That's three years ago now. He'll be up for election this coming year. Okay. So he'll be kicking off his second campaign here in about a month. Oh, excellent. Okay. Now, uh, before we talk about how politics and the church kind of mix and what they've become today, we have our tradition tradition here uh, in uh, the Coffee and Conversation podcast world, and that is the the first sip. (laughs) Um, You know, I don't often get to tell elders what to do, uh, (laughs) but Walt tried to uh, take a sip earlier, and I almost smacked his hand. Yeah. Uh, But uh, today's coffee, Walt, uh, you might enjoy this. Uh, came from one of these students in our youth ministry. Uh, huh. They bought it from their trip to the Dominican. Oh, uh, really? Our teens just got back uh-huh. from their Dominican uh, mission trip, and they know that I like coffee, and so they bought me Dominican coffee. Uh, and so we're, our first sip today is some Dominican uh, uh, roasted coffee, my friend. So, so, so this is almost fresh off the vine, it right? It is. Yeah. yeah. So cheers right. to you. Let's Thank take our you. first sip. Yeah. Very good. Uh, it's so good, man. Yeah, it is good. I, I have had Haitian coffee uh, and now Dominican coffee. They're similar in taste, obviously, because, you know, same, part of, the, you know, same sure. part of the world. But they're roasted differently. So, 
Anyway, uh, this is this is really good coffee. So thanks I, for I agree. Thanks for enjoying. You know, some of the last couple of guests I've had aren't coffee drinkers, <laughs> which kind of nulls the point of coffee in conversation. So we had water in conversation last time with with Pastor Rashad. Um, so it's nice to have somebody who actually enjoys coffee again. So that's nice. All right, glad to accommodate. So let's 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 start this, uh, and I want to I want to go back to one of the conversations we had uh, in 2016. Okay, um, and you know the only reason I bring this up is because it it, it kind of it's it's what started it for me. You know, um, we we grew up or I grew up. Uh, you know. As a Christian, you know, and, and when I say grew up, I mean as an adult, because I, I came to Christ later on in my teen life and at 18 started going to church. And when I was going to church, uh, especially during uh, Bush, President Bush's um, election, uh, that was my first year voting was President Bush, uh, W. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and I remember hearing the preacher at the time talking about, uh, and not just the preacher, but the radio uh, and everybody, saying, you know, vote your morals. Vote, don't, don't take Jesus out of the, the, polling, uh, the polling place, right? The polling booth. You know, and, and, and you have to look at the morality of the man. And, 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 and that was really good at the time because, you know, George W. was a professing Christian and, you know, President Bush was... Uh, you know, had had a, a moral decency about him, and um, you know, seemed to be the Christian, the obvious Christian vote at the time, and mm-hmm. which I think got him through those two elections. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but then Trump came, and, and now I'm speaking for myself here. I, I, I think I must say that these views expressed by the minister here at Cornerstone Christian Church does not necessarily agree with that of the rest of the church. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Trump came, and, and I saw a complete 180 from the same Christian leaders who had told me back in 2001, uh, Dobson being one of them, Okay, from Focus on the Family. Yeah. Uh, you know, saying that, oh, values, you know, the, the morality of the man no longer matters. It's just now what we need to get out of him. You know, and, and so I had considered being a moral no vote. Uh, and, and I had so much backlash against that from people. Like, you, you know, it's your American duty. It's your American duty. You know, um, and so I ended up not voting for Trump. Uh, you know, I won't say who I voted for. <laughs> Yeah, I'll let I'll let the I'll let the uh, the podcast world guess, um, you know, but there there's a lot of it seems like now that politics have really infiltrated church in a divisive way more so than it ever has in my experience. You know, how do you when you look at politics over the last, you know, from George W. to now in the church. What have you seen? Well, um, you've covered a lot of ground there, and I would say uh, kind of a common denominator is that, unfortunately, it seems like everything, and I mean almost everything these days, has become politicized. Yeah. So what you describe, I think, is exactly right, that you can see it even since the year 2000. Here it is almost 20 years later. Uh, and 
my recollection is similar to yours. I don't remember that it was quite so uh, politicized, uh, although it certainly was trending in that way uh, as a result of the um, all the travail that we might say was uh, extracurricular activities from the Carter, mm-hmm. or I mean the uh, Clinton years, Bill oh, Clinton years, yeah, right. which immediately preceded yeah. W. So, um, with Clinton was probably a clear test of this issue of the degree and how and if um, a person's morals affected their performance as president. So this thing you described, this um, um, notion of voting for the most moral candidate, I would say is certainly good advice, but what does one do if it's assumed that neither is overly moral? Right. I think that then gets you into the question of... um, uh, maybe opting for uh, the best, even though uh, even though neither is great, <laughs> uh, because some will say, "Well, yeah, I'm electing a president. I'm not electing a pastor." Yeah, and that's a cute line. Um, it may be pertinent in a situation such as we're describing here, but somehow it still leaves me pretty empty mm-hmm. because. Uh, in spite of what the media says or maybe the person in the office at a given time may say about, well, uh, an an immoral uh, indiscretion doesn't affect my day-to-day job, Uh, I think most reasonable and common-sense people would say that's a pretty hard distinction to make and that we are, in our day-to-day activities, and the way we think, and the way we decide things, the way we approach situations and other people is foundationally determined by our morals. Sure, and, 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 we, and we can look at, uh, there, there, are, there are many people who, who will look at uh, our current president, um, you know, President Trump, yeah. um, and say, you're right, his morals are dictating what he does and or lack thereof yeah. um, you know uh, and, and and there are many people um, who would look at Donald Trump and especially uh, after what he he said to the quote unquote the squad uh, you know uh, you know with those comments about going back to where they came from you know and, and whether you agree with it or not uh, there is a section of people who call that racist. Um, you know, uh, and so what, how do you respond? I mean, how does one respond to that? <laughs> well, first of all, um, you've touched on something that um, really, I think, is at the core of this. Yeah. And, and it's what did he say versus what did the media say he mm-hmm. said? And right. unfortunately, I think anyway, um, the whole digital age has brought so many, um, uh, so much ability for adverse communications to take place. And it seems like the um, media is so one-sided that they can and seemingly willingly will try to mischaracterize something that was said. So uh, as I've listened to the reports, I guess... uh, I think I read his tweet, or I, I don't yeah. know whether I heard him say it or not. No, I read the tweet as well, yeah. 
But I, I don't think my my view of it is there wasn't anything explicitly racist in it per se. When he says go back, now he says what I mean is if you don't love America, then go somewhere else. Yeah. But uh, but you can see in that uh, it, it's just a perfect example of the divide that exists where one person says something, the other person is eager and quick to take offense of it or to mischaracterize it and then it goes back and forth it's like a ping pong game. Can, can you can you admit uh, or what, what do you think how do you respond I guess when you know somebody hears those words and, and they see it as racist for instance um, you know, we had I had just I mean just an hour ago I had uh, Rashad Cunningham pastor at church yeah. on the rock yeah uh, and we talked about race in the church and he talked about his own experience here in here in Brownsburg um, as a, as the yeah. only black student, and he was told, uh, he said uh, a number of times, "Go back where you came from." Uh-huh. And so you know, and so it's not hard for me to under you know for me to jump, and I'm sure it isn't for you as well. Yeah, I'd that, acknowledge that. Yeah, that when when a president says or anybody says that, they're going to automatically say that's racist. Yeah, I Even can see if that. That wasn't his intention, right? I can see that, yeah. and and uh, nobody will defend Trump. On being overly articulate, uh, <laughs> that is true. He, he, he seems to say all too often exactly what's on his mind. Yeah. So I, yeah. but I do see that. Yeah. So okay. So I, I don't want to get too off track here talking about Trump. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I do want this. This does hit something here. Yeah. You know, in, in, in on my Facebook, um, I have friends on both sides of the aisles. Right. Uh, sure. Both side of the aisle, I should say, uh, Democrat and Republican. Uh, and there are Christians in both of those camps. Um, you know, what what role should uh, faith play in our in our politics, regardless of what political stances we take? Um, well, it's, your question is what sort of is what's the role of the Christian right. in the political sphere, and um, I, I think. Over the years, there have probably been different views by that, uh, surprise, surprise, mm-hmm. on the part of a variety of Christians. So right. some would say um, that politics is so corrupt and it's so um, um, just so corrupt that yeah. the, the, the Christians should have nothing to do with it, that yeah. they shouldn't participate in it by voting, they shouldn't be employed by the government, uh, they just shouldn't have anything to do with it. Um, I think that, so that, that may be one view. I would reject that, obviously, out of hand, because yeah, right. to me that is uh, in direct contradiction to the notion that we need to be um, in the world, not of the world, and that we need to, as Christians, be um, out in the world to try to influence things for Christ and for the good. Yes, right? yeah, for sure. Others say, I suppose, that... Um, Church and state exist in two different realms. One, the maybe the state um, deals with our physical needs, our governance, and so forth. The church uh, deals primarily with our spiritual realm. That we can participate in both, but that they should minimize overlapping. Well, there again, um, 
to me, that's a view, that's an acceptable view, I guess. To me, that sounds like a siloing yeah. uh, approach. Yeah, compartmentalizing. Uh, compartmentalizing sure. yeah. it. Yeah. And so, thirdly, would be um, those people, those Christians who think it's their role and, and job to make everything as good as they can, including the state, to make it operate better, and that therefore ways they can do that is to do what they can to elect um, moral and hopefully Christian people uh, to participate in elections in an, in an effort to um, determine who those people are and even to uh, advocate for such people to run for office and to support them uh, and that sort of thing. So I, I would certainly opt more for the third alternative sure. if there are three. Yeah, I, I mean, as would I. You know, yeah. um, I, I think Christian involvement in all areas of the community is vital. Vital, yeah. Um, you know, for the, for the gospel. Um, you know, it's that idea of being in the world, just not being of the world. So do you think that um, there is a need for more Christians to run for political office? Yes. Um, and I'll, I'll put in a, a plug here for Senator Crane, okay. uh, if I may. Yeah, we... but, but for the reason you say, yeah. not because he's my friend, but right. he's... Uh, operates deeply uh, and naturally, I would say, if, if that's the right word to apply in this case, from a biblical worldview yeah. basis. Now, I, I, the only adage I would say is that Walt is speaking for himself and not, that's right. not as a church uh, because we cannot endorse. No, no, that, uh, so that's right. It's as a Bible 1C3. But I understand what you're saying, right? You yeah. know, and I could just I could just see it now like, ooh, tax. All right, no. Uh, <laughs> no, that's a good point. I yeah. should have uh, yeah. so, been more careful about that. No, no, that. no, you're fine. You're fine. I mean, because we want you to personally speak however you want to speak, but as long as we're clear that this is not, yes. the church is not taking a stance for one candidate over another um but i I know john very well and so i know his um his character and and i've heard him speak so many ways so eloquently about the foundation that that character is based on he's a so so it would be wonderful we had a hundred uh john cranes but unfortunately um there's uh, from A to Z in that yeah. respect. So yes, we need more Christians. Okay, so we know we're not. That, that's a pipe dream. I mean, the reality is yeah. that a uh, a few um, uh, percentage of Christians, uh, and it seems to be smaller and smaller, yeah. um, are running for political office, um, and 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 so you know we have a majority of them um, that are you know making it their favorite pastime. You know, I've heard. Uh, politics is becoming America's new favorite pastime, um, and that's not too far from the truth. Um, you know. So well, again, don't you think that in large measure stems from the uh, omnipresence of the media in every way? Sure. Uh, it's, it's too bad if that statement is true. It's a shame. Yeah, and listen, um, you know, I, I know that when a lot of people hear the word media, they exclude a certain. Uh, channel from that, you know, uh, but I I think Fox News as much as CNN as much as MSNBC as much as any of any of them are, are just as much to blame um, for this omni uh, how'd you put it omni, uh, omnipresence omnipresence yeah um, it, that has turned us into this yeah you know. 
You know, the dilemma that I think exists there, Larry, and maybe leads to another point is, um, as things become more coarse, and boy, look around at just this last couple weeks, how coarse the dialogue is becoming. Yes, very much so. It causes uh, more and more people, and uh, to some extent, in, including me, just to uh, be inclined to uh, um, shake your hands and, and uh, be rid of just to walk away from it. The dilemma I've always uh, thought exists is that uh, going, as I say, to the back of the cave and ignoring it all doesn't change it. it it only allows those who are the most coarse and those who pursue it in those directions free reign yes and and it's always been a dilemma i don't want to spend my whole life trying to uh supervise politicians or to even educate myself on who i want to vote for because they're the best of uh, you know um most of us want to live our own lives right. and attend to our own families, our right. own churches. Yep. But it seems like if you do that, then if you're not keeping your eye on them, then things just get worse. So that's a dilemma. You can't not be involved, and yet being involved requires too much. Yeah, and I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but I, I know that I certainly have. Um, you know, Maybe it's just because uh, in my role as a Connections Outreach Pastor, that I have my ear in the community a little yeah. bit more than most. Um, but if, when these things come up, you mentioned over the last couple of weeks uh, the vitriol um, yeah, of, good word. Of, the, of, the, of the two camps. I have seen professed Christians okay, um, spew the most hateful things yeah. um, towards people... Uh, that that uh, are trying to express their opinions, and I've seen, uh, and, and that's both conservative Christians and progressive Christians. Yeah. I, I'm not just pointing one to the other. On both sides of the camp, things that are said towards President Trump, things that are said again uh, you know, towards the the squad, or Colin Kaepernick, who's been in the news lately, um, or Nike, you yeah. know, yeah. Nike pulling the Betsy Ross flag, um, you know. The, the things that I have seen on both sides uh, 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 has, has just been outright hateful. Uh, what do you say to Christians uh, who, 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 who have a political uh, viewpoint but express those in unchristian ways? Because we can admit, right, that regardless of what we think, uh, that our response should not be hateful in any way, shape, or form. Absolutely, we can admit that, and I guess I, my first thought would be, well, they're they're not particularly mature Christians, unfortunately. Uh-huh. If they can't step back and see uh, that that approach is uh, hurtful, not helpful, right? Uh, and and it's certainly not, in some respects, you could say it's not sacrificial by any means. It's more of an aggressive, uh, hear me first, yeah, um, approach, right? Um, so. So, so I mean, what do you say to them? Let's say you had one of those, one of those Christians that you were close. Let's say it was someone you were close to, you were discipling, you were mentoring, and you saw their Facebook page. What would that conversation look like? What advice would you give? I, I just, uh, I'd have to bring it up. I'd say, I'd have to say, uh, uh, Sam or whoever it is. Um, 
you how, you can't justify this kind of approach or language uh, if you're serious about being a, a maturing and professing Christian. Um, and then maybe challenge why why do you do that or why do you feel the need to uh, use that approach? How do you, how do you express your conservative viewpoints? Uh, in a faithful way that glorifies Christ. You have to speak to the principles, not the personalities. Explain. Uh, unfortunately, um, when persons can't defend their views or their principles, mm-hmm. then they'll resort to name-calling or uh, character disparagement. Um, and then that, um, in turn, uh, encourages the same from the other side. So, and unfortunately, it's very lacking in our society today, people's ability to know well and articulate well what they believe and to try to argue the principle rather than resort to um, <laughs> name-calling or because they can't yeah. uh, uh, defend their principle. Um, if I may... Please. Um, that kind of as a segue into you might say the same thing is true with many Christians in the church who I think it's interesting in our country and people my age particularly we've lived a whole life during a period of prosperity quantify and, your age please uh, I'm just in the low 70s shall we say okay low 70s <laughs> there you know this is a podcast and no one can see you that's right, right? so I just want to make sure we're, that we all understand what age group you're talking about here good point yeah um, but and for the most of my life, I would say, the country I grew up in, by and large, was um, had a common Judeo-Christian belief and foundation set. That's eroded. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I lost my train of thought. Um, you grew up in a very pos- uh, prosperous, I think is what you were Oh, referring. I was talking about defending our yes. faith. and. So in all my life, um, I, I've never been called upon. I've never had to literally uh, go out and, and defend my faith or the principles that stem from them. And so uh, maybe I'm not very good at it because I haven't, I haven't had to. Um, okay, so let me, let me ask you this then. Yeah. In, uh, in the 70s, okay, uh, and, you know, quick math here, you were in your 30s, is that right? Um, yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and that's when or Ro- less. Yeah, or less. Thirties <laughs> yeah. or less. Yeah. Right. Uh, that was when Roe v. Wade um, yeah. came out, um, and, and the decision was made. Um, yeah. Did you have to? Did Did you not? Uh, or did you have to then defend your faith at that point in that in our country's existence? No. No. Uh, and that's a good example. The, the, of, of all the social issues, that's one of the uh, best, I don't know what I'd say best, is one of the biggest, um, that, that as a country and as a Christian nation, if, if I may use that term, I don't people wouldn't accept that today, that we've um, tolerated that to the extent we have, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you would say that back in the seventy, what seventy eight was it? Uh, seventy three was Roe v. Wade, okay. I believe. Um, so the year that this happened, was there a silence from the Christian majority? Um, no, probably not. I don't re- really okay. recall all that well. I do remember though. I, re- I said to this 
to my wife just recently. Um, I remember people like James Dobson and others talking about how allowing uh, abortion to be legal and to expand would ultimately come to the day where all life would be minimized, but including life at the other end of the spectrum, where life in general would come to be viewed as cheap, and particularly uh, people in the end of their lives would be much more disposable. I thought, I remember thinking at the time, boy, that's a a big leap, and, and how could he know that? And yet I think he's been absolutely accurate in that. We're getting to the point where um, now it may be easier and easier to justify assisted suicide and um, uh, even advocating um, um, end-of-life procedures for seniors, let's say. Yeah, or even the devaluing it, it, of current life. Yeah, it's the devaluing. Yeah. It, it's not, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, like even with those who you know that that would you know who aren't thinking about ending their life or who aren't at the end of their lives, we devalue certain citizens over other citizens. That's right. In, there in you this go. Country, um, and yeah, I think he's right in that aspect um, from both a conservative and a progressive mindset. You know, uh, and, and here's here's this actually kind of falls into that next part I want to talk about. Do you think? that a Christian can be either fully Republican or fully Democrat. Uh, In other words, um, should a Christian embrace every aspect um, of a political uh, party or is it or is it somewhere in between? Yeah, it's got to be somewhere in between. There's there's no party that's, uh, you know, Pure, so to speak, on every subject, it just can't be. Yeah, I, I, it's just not that much. It's not that black and white by a long shot. Yeah, but I, I would think though, that, and here's my pushback to that. I mean, I agree with you actually, but my pushback is that that's not how it is being portrayed um, in our current culture. No question. Because when you think, when I say the word Christian, most people think conservative right. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. you know uh, the evangelical vote, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, and we know that that's not necessarily true. You know that we're not every Christian is a far right conservative. You know, um, and so how? Thank goodness. Yeah, right. So how do you how do you respond to uh, to that? Uh, there again, Larry, I think that's a um, stereotype that is shaped by uh, you know. The biggest scapegoat I have for almost everything is the media because, you know, and I think it's a principle of propaganda. It's been right. proven that if you say something, uh, they often talk about the big lie. If you say, if you repeat a lie, and particularly a big lie, yeah. long enough, frequently enough, loudly enough, it comes to have a certain truth to it. Right. And so I think that's one of the more um, uh, corrosive effects of our uh, 140 sound bite. Um, Instagram uh, world that we live in, and sure. is is that ability to uh, influence or to characterize, and people absorbing it without giving it adequate thought or investigation. So, how do we then, as Christians, um, combat that stereotype? Don't be on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. No. I mean, I mean, we can't avoid or ignore it. No. Right. No. I mean, we, there, you know, uh, my, my my feeling is, um, you know, to to not not combat it, but to have to communicate uh, 
the differences um, that you know of the perception. You know, like this is your perception, but this is not true. Uh, this is who you know. This is what Christianity truly is. You know, to the point, and and you know, I've had plenty of pastors who who have experienced this, um, who have said, um, you know, who have gotten responses from people who say, I didn't expect that to be what Christians were about mm-hmm. in a positive mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, so don't you think though that we should be talking about this more? I do, but I would counter to say our people inclined to want to take the time and that's the key issue do they want to take the time to more thoroughly question or investigate or learn yeah that's really it do they want to learn the truth or not so the problem is seek the truth the problem is knee-jerk reaction i think so and and it being fed to us in that fashion yeah um incessantly yeah yeah, uh, on tons of things. I yeah, mean, we can, oh yeah, we can, we can, everything. Yeah, we can go past politics and, 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 and say that the way that Christians have been, have been quote-unquote, treated uh, or portrayed, I'll yeah. say, yeah. portrayed in, in the media um, is the same way that Muslims have been portrayed in, in, in the media. Uh, you know, not all of them in this country are terrorists. Yeah. You know, I mean, we had, um, we had uh, our, our guest last year for Coffee and Conversation um, who was very um, peaceful and loving and kind and just just a great person, um, you know. Last year and, and you know and she her her mission is to is to do the same thing that our mission is is to disprove the stereotypes of of our religion, right? Uh, you know, obviously we have theological differences there, and we understand, uh, you know, and we understand those, you know. But um, I, I think that the portrayal is still somewhat the same. I agree with you. It's in every area, and increasingly, everything seems to come down to uh, the 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 big question, the age old question: What is truth? Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, literally, you can you can uh, if you're reading the financial press, you can read. I'll simplify it. Um, the stock market's going to go up. Now's the time to get in. And on the same paper, maybe in another page or so, there's another guy that says. Um, the crisis is coming. You better get out. Right. And so, how does the average person know what the truth is? It's not, and it's in every area. Because yeah. you can read. We have such a multiplicity of sources. Yeah. Uh, everybody's got a podcast now, right? Everybody's got a website. Yeah, but this everybody's, is the only good podcast. I, I realize that. <laughs> and so, when you, it almost comes to when, um, and at the same time, all the newspapers are going out of business. So. Right. Um, uh, so gets down to the question of what is factual, what is true, how do I base my decision on any, not just politics, virtually yeah. anything. How, so how do, how do you, when you're looking at a, a, a topic, how do you personally find the truth? Uh, personally, I'll, I'm a reader and so I'll try to, um, find as many sources or you know I'm not gonna spend all day on everything but I try to read on a topic um, to um, corroborate let's say uh, information so if I read X here but why there then I may go to another source to see if the third source 
tends to corroborate one or the other. Okay. I, that's oversimplified, but... Sure. Multiple sources. And multiple sources, yeah, yeah. Not just going to your echo chamber. And and an examination of who who it is that's saying it. Yeah. Uh, is it just some uh, guy, in, as they say, in his pajamas in his basement? Or is it a PhD in history who's taught... The, the subject for 30 years. Right? I just love the fact that you might be reading uh, <laughs> a paper from somebody who's sitting in their basement in their pajamas. You know, uh, if it was a doctor who was sitting in their pajamas. Ah, that'd be tough. That'd be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the best of both worlds. Uh, you know? Uh, <laughs> That's right. See? So, okay, so it, it, here's, okay, so moving past the election. <laughs> yeah. Okay, of 2016. I mean, obviously we're getting into a new election. We're going to be having this conversation again next year um but right now you know there there's a lot of conversations that i've been having um with uh christians on both sides of the aisle um uh, about this immigration um policy and actions of, of our current president yeah. and um can you can you disagree uh, or agree with our current immigration policy? Uh, let's go with the agree part because I think I hits the question better. So let's say you agree with the immigration policy that we we should have borders, we should have a wall, you know, we should be a little bit more selective, yada 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 yada. Yeah. Um, but can can you still say can you say yes to that, and yet still uh, condemn, reject, whatever? Um, uh, condemn uh, re, or whatever the uh, the living conditions of um, of these families, you know, of, of, of the children, you know, uh, you know how, how as a Christian should we look at this immigration policy right now, you know, and, and the uh, the results that have come as a result. Um. Well, it seems like for starters, you have to ask the question of whether. Um, you do live within a system of laws, in other words, whether there's valid reason for laws that define and presumably protect a nation's borders. Right, yeah. If the answer to that is yes, um, then I guess the second question I would ask is, um, uh, the question is forced when those borders are overwhelmed uh, not by any particular doing on our part. In other words, it, it forces the question of uh, the extent of enforcement. And if the if the uh, migration is so overwhelming that you can't, by normal means, uh, or, or that that overwhelming um, surge ignores or seeks to overwhelm the border, mm -hmm. um, then it casts the border keepers, the law keepers, into an impossible situation. Yeah. Um, and so in that setting, I think they have to be humanitarian. Uh, but this is so complex, Larry. Then yeah. if they want to be humanitarian, but they don't have any resources to build shelters or house people even on a short-term basis, what do they do? What right. literally do they do? Yeah. And I think that's where we've seen a colossal failure on the part of our government to... Yeah. A, enforce the borders for a long, long time, which has encouraged all this, but B, and more recently, not provide the resources to, even on a short-term basis, help treat these people in a humane fashion. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting you say that, and, and you know, and, and listen, my source comes from NPR, so take that with you know, whatever 
grain of salt you want to take that with. I personally like NPR, but uh, you know NPR w- w- was was uh, was saying just last week on their politics podcast uh, that uh, that Trump, the Trump administration, has seen a spike in uh, in people coming to the border um, that we didn't see in Obama's uh, uh, presidency. Uh, and so the opinion there is that because uh, of, 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 of Trump's pending you know, wall and pending immigration policy, um, that more people are trying to get in now than they've ever, they ever have before. Um, and, hmm. and, that, and so he's kind of created his own, his own problem. Um, you know, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, let me in in return ask a question. Um, the number of illegal people that are said to be in America is anywhere from eleven to twenty yeah. million. Okay. What do, what do we think about that? Is that appropriate? Yeah, you know, uh, as a as a as a person who you know who, who knows very very little about this, who's just now started getting into this. Me too. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, I look at, and I know there's there's a ton of Christians who will disagree with me, but I say welcome the refugee. You know, I say welcome welcome the people who, who need it. If we have if we have the resources to take care of them, I think we I think we should. Um, and um, you know, because uh, that's what we would do to anyone. Well, let know? me ask you, uh, what's your definition of a refugee? Then uh, there aren't 11 million refugees, sure. No. So I so look, I, I would I would always say. Um, that if a person crosses this border illegally, um, then then they they should be um, humanely uh, treated under the law. Sure. Uh, you know, and, and, and that's the problem I have with our current administration is I don't think that they're being treated humanely. I don't like the fact that parents are being separated from their kids. I don't like the fact that that you know uh, if the reports are true. Um, that no, <laughs> no, point. no, no hygiene, uh, you know, some haven't showered in 45 days. There's no, you know, toilet paper. No, if that stuff is true, absolutely. I condemn that and I condemn any form of that, uh, because we are a nation of, of immigrants, you know, yeah. uh, you know, and, and so we, you know, uh, and we seem to be, we seem to be against a certain type of immigrant, right. Uh, you know, uh, uh from the Southern border. Uh, it seems that you know we're not we're not talking about a wall in Canada. No, uh, you know, and, and so what, all I'm saying though is if if the person crosses illegally, they should be treated humanely under the law. Uh, if a person is coming here to for protection uh, as refugee status, uh, I think to the best of our ability we should do that. But this administration, from my perspective, is not separating that. Um, you know, there are pretty stricter laws on the refugees. They're pretty stricter rules on the rules on the refugees, uh, and, and 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 not separating out the illegal from the legal, uh, and they're just condemning all. And I don't I don't agree with that whatsoever. Well, if that's true, I, I would tend not to agree with that. Um, I I suspect none of us here know really what the conditions are fully yeah. like. So while I would agree with the statement you just made. I'm not sure what I'd do if it was an overwhelming. They're talking about a hundred thousand people and right. more in a month. Yeah, uh, and you've heard reports where the uh, border patrol people are so busy changing diapers and trying to move supplies in, they don't have time to uh, be discerning about exactly is this person right. uh, A or B. You know, yeah. I, so I, I think so. I think none of us really know. What the conditions are really like, unfortunately, um, I would even say, and I'd say this myself. I think he started out to say, if if uh, 
had a question about our immigration policy, uh-huh. and I would be the first to say, I'm sure I don't know even what our immigration policy is. Mm-hmm. goes back to, so I'm manipulated. I'm manipulated by these images I see on TV yeah. and the ability of video teams to show me this image and to claim that this is representative. Sure. So you remember when a few weeks, months ago, they had video images of literally a chain link, uh, they called it a cage, it's a big enclosed area oh, yes. within a building, and that Trump was caging uh, people. It turned out later that video was taken during the Obama administration. Right. Yep. There's the perfect example mm-hmm. of how you're manipulated. Right. And you, so then when you learn that, then you say, well, what do I believe? No yeah. matter who's showing it. Yeah. And, and, and look, I mean, I was just as convicted when, I, when we found that out. And, and it was like, oh, you know, I, like, I, I wish I would have said something then. You know, <laughs> uh, and, and, but, you know, and, and this has been my defense because the, the common question I get is, well, why didn't you say anything when Obama did it? Because I didn't know when Obama did it, right? And, and this sure. speaks towards the media. Uh, why didn't you? Yeah, the there you go. The media didn't put it out there. Yeah. But, but here, here's the point that, I, that, I, that I'm making, and you please agree or disagree, that when it becomes public, when it becomes uh, common knowledge, that our job as Christians is to either speak for or against uh, those things that are happening. Uh, and so now is that time for us to speak against a president uh, and an administration that, that is treating uh, people, people, inhumanely. Uh, you know, and, 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 and so the, the, quite, the thing that I say is, is if this is true, I always preface it with that. You need if to. If this is true, you know, uh, because we live in a, we live in a uh, post-truth society now, right? Amen. If we if, if this is true, then this should be condemned. If if it is true that our president is and his administration is discriminatory, we should condemn it. If it is true, uh, you know, we should condemn all forms of of hatred. Uh, you know that white nationalist thing in sure. Virginia. Um, you know, Christians should have uh, condemn that, right? Um, and, and and whatever results come from that, and and, and again, I you're, you said it right. President Trump is nowhere near articulate, right? Um, and when he said that there was good people on both sides, that was probably the dumbest thing. Yeah, <laughs> he that, that he was, could have said. Yeah. And, and 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 there is no room for hatred within the Christian within the Christian religion. Um, so, no question. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, agree or disagree? What do you what do you, what do you think about us standing for and against those things that come to public? Uh, um, I'm not sure I understand your question. I I think where I think we should stand up. Yeah. Uh, where it's appropriate. Yeah. And, that, that's basically what I'm saying. Should yeah. we stand up when appropriate? Sure. Uh, regardless of our political party. Sure, I think so. Yeah. So, so you know, two questions then. Go ahead, please. Again, no, I, I, I want to make a, a another point that yeah. sort of stems from my comment a minute ago as to you come to not know what the truth is. Yeah. And hand in glove with that is there's an in, inclination then to not trust. And so I want to uh, give you a quote, or okay. I, I want to... One of the best books I've ever read on the on topics like this is written by a guy named Oz Guinness. It's called The Last Call for Liberty. 
And I'm going to quote something, if I may. Yeah, by means. And he says here, um, or I I made this note, he develops the the principle that the reliance on a constitution uh, or a structure of law alone for our civic stability um, is foolish and will ultimately fail. And I think we're seeing the ultimate failure of that right now. Let me go on. It says, while the framers of our Constitution designed our political system with checks and balances to counter man's broken nature, right, that is his thirst for power and control, they also understood that the Constitution had to be complemented by a a distinctive moral ecology. That's what uh, is at the heart of ordered liberty. Mm-hmm. So Guinness talks about, in some of his writings, um, winning the freedom that we have, so you might go back to the revolution, then ordering it. In other words, once you got it, now how do you keep it? How do you design a set of laws and so forth that enable it to be maintained? So ordering the liberty. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, keeping the liberty. And he says, uh, he refers to it as the, uh, uh, and he says that Tocqueville described that as uh, the habits of the heart. Guinness calls this underlying moral ecology, he refers to it as the golden triangle of liberty. And it is the conviction that freedom requires virtue. Yeah. Virtue requires faith. Mm-hmm. Faith requires freedom. Yeah. And so in there, where does virtue come from? Virtue comes from our uh, faith from our um, belief that uh, God created us. He created us in his image, that he endowed us with the skills and so forth that we have, and that his word is true. Mm. And so if we don't have that, if that falls away, if we lose virtue, which is informed by faith, then we'll lose our freedom ultimately. Yeah. And... Um, So he says, now here's what triggered that. Sustainable freedom depends on the character of rulers and the ruled alike. Yes. And on the vital trust between them, both of which are far more than a matter of law. So we, you'll hear in the media over and over, well, we're a country of the rule of law this, rule of law that. Yeah. It's true, and that's that goes a long way to bring stability. But I think what we're seeing now is the unraveling even of the strictures of the law because there isn't an underlying moral foundation and ecology. And what does that mean? As it says in Judges, each man did as he saw. Fit. Oh, I am so glad you brought that up because because uh, that is the point in which I think the the nation of Israel took its downturn. Yeah. Everything after that was 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 just you know completely horrible. You know, it was actually uh, it was after um, um, uh, Solomon's uh, son uh, Rehoboam uh, mm-hmm. uh, became uh, became king. king, and they all said, well. Yep. <laughs> to each his own yep. now, right? They all kind of just left. And from then on out, you saw yeah. uh, the downfall. And, and, and when they lost their moral unity... There you go. Uh, they they lost their identity as a nation. Yeah. And, and, and that's what's happening here. I completely agree with you. We're, we're seeing that kind of in slow motion right now. I think it's very disturbing. Yeah. You, you know, another vestige of that is when people won't stand up to say they pledge to allegiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guinness develops wonderfully the whole notion of what allegiance means. Yeah. What 
what is pledge? It's a covenantal yeah. uh, kind of arrangement ultimately, and it, it can be traced back to uh, the Old Testament and the the covenants, uh, right. of the you know the original covenant. But listen, uh, you know, a lot of people would say that you know you you, you say slow motion. I, I I say it's a little more definitive. Than that. <laughs> it's picking up. Yeah, yeah I, I think that you know a lot a lot I have seen a lot of articles, read a lot of articles that say that the evangelical church or the Christian church. Um, have sold their identity for the sake of Trump, uh-huh. um, and 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 I can't necessarily disagree with them when I hear Falwell talk, or I hear Dobson talk, or I hear some of our quote unquote national leaders talk, you know, for you know for President Trump, and and you know, and I think that you know you have this kind of Mitch McConnell mentality. Of whatever's going to get us the votes, that's what we're <laughs> that's what we're going to say, uh, you know. And, and I I hate that, you know, because I think that it's more nuanced. Than yeah, that. I, yeah. You know, I, I think that our, I have a lot of in this and conservative uh, people, Christians that I love dearly, um, you know that that still cling on to that morality that people have said we've sold, uh, you know. And so if if, if you know. I guess this leads to the question here. How do we get that perception changed? How do we show um, the people in our community um, uh, that we still have that morality when it comes to our politics? When it comes to our politics? Or anything, really. But this is a politics podcast, this one is. So we can talk specifically about that. I'm not sure I have an answer to that. other than to go back to saying each of us needs to do their best to try to discern what the views are of a, of a given candidate. Yeah. What's, but I sympathize with the person who maybe does the investigation and says, wow, neither of these persons are really uh, worthy of this office, yeah. unfortunately. And yeah. then it's a difficult question. It is. You're exactly right. I mean, and, and you knew I wrestled with this. Yeah. Uh, because you and I had quite a few conversations about yeah. my decision to be a moral mill vote. Um, you know, and, and, and again, it's looming. Yeah. It's looming again. Because, I, 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 you know, I look at the 2020 candidates, uh, you know, uh, democratically, um, and I, I haven't made up my mind about all of them because, goodness, there's 24 of them, <laughs> I, and I don't know enough. But I, I, I'm starting to wonder what's going to happen if it's a moral no vote for me again. Well, good point. And there's when you when you're in this arena where there's such um, inconsistency or lack of uh, 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 moral fiber, let's say. Um, I, I often think our system does its service well. So, for example, one uh, example that comes to mind is our primary system. Years ago, um, uh, Dan Burton, who was U.S. congressman from the northeast side of uh, Indianapolis, it was pretty clear that Dan was uh, had served his time, was beginning to get kind of um, stale, shall we say. Sure. But here's what happened. Five people challenged him in the primary and because the vote was split five ways Dan Burton won the primary with 32% of the vote wow so 6 out of 10 yeah. or 7 out of 10 people didn't vote for him right. yet he becomes the candidate and then because he's the incumbent he gets elected there's something 
that seems out of whack about that, doesn't yeah. it? Oh, sure. I mean, especially you know, if you think nationally, that third-party presidential candidate. There you go. Uh, I mean, we can all say that Ross Perot. You know, may may you rest in peace. And you know, I know, right. I, I know he just passed. I'm not saying that anything bad about the man. But Ross Perot cost George H. W. Bush that yeah, election. I think it's clear. I, you know, uh, and there's a lot of people who would suggest that, and you know, and so, and that's why you're even talking about with 2020. Uh, you know, there's sir, I forget who it was, uh, but there's somebody uh, who was thinking about running independently uh, as a conservative. Uh, and, and against and, Trump yeah, against, as a primary? Yeah. yeah, well, not in the primary, in the presidential, just a general presidential election. Oh, as an independent. As, as an independent. Uh, and and I, I, I remember hearing uh, the commentator saying if he does that, Trump won't win. You know, yeah. Because you know the conservatives are going to go towards the the other. He, guy. he could easily be a spoiler, right? Yeah. And, yeah. But I don't. I, I think whoever that was, I mean, there's so many candidates. Uh, whoever that was <laughs> is no longer running or decided not to. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, 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 this is hard for the Christian. This is hard. I, I see it as hard for the Christian. This may not be hard for everybody. Uh, I see it hard uh, because I look at President Trump and I see a, a man of no moral character. Um, and, and, and I still believe what I was taught when I was 18 years old, that I need to vote my biblical values. Um, and I don't see that in Trump. Well, can I at least uh, push back on that a little bit? Oh, please when, do. That's why you're here. <laughs> when you said uh, a man of no moral character, but uh, wouldn't you give him some credit? Uh, maybe not much, but some credit. Doesn't he appear to have had, have raised very accomplished, very skillful uh, children? Uh, they're now it doesn't mean they're moral children no I, I grant you that you know yeah uh, he, he I, I, and, I don't know anything about his kids I, I you know and and I shouldn't pass um, full judgment on a man I know nothing about uh, yeah the persona of Donald Trump yeah uh, to me oh, is <laughs> a very immoral person. Uh, who he's he's brash, he's outspoken, right? And who says yeah. he has no need for biblical values? Uh, does he? He, he uh, during the debate, uh, he said during the debate he was asked about uh, forgiveness. He says, "I don't need forgiveness for anything." <laughs> That's a Donald Trump quote that I was heard it? my own two years. Yeah, you know, I'm like, ah, come on, Trump. You know, like, so you're saying he's not quite humble. He's not too humble. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, no, not quite humble at all. You know. And, uh, you know, and listen, I understand. I have a law coming out of my own eye. I, I get that. We all do. Uh, we all do. Yeah. Uh, uh, but if <laughs> I'm going to listen to the advice that my mentors gave to me when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, and I still believe today, mm-hmm. you know, I can't bring myself to voting for a man like, like Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and I don't know if I'll be able to vote for a man or a woman on the other side, dependent upon their, their, their values or belief systems. And that's a hard thing for Christians. I think this is going to be harder and harder every year. Yeah. You know, to where, you know, our Christianity, in my viewpoint, is not dependent upon our, our whether or not we vote. Our, our American duty is, uh, but not our, not our Christian duty. So what do we do when, you know, our Christian values go against all candidates? How do we respond to that? I'm, I'm not sure I have a satisfying answer. I, I don't either. Um, you know, <laughs> and everyone listening to this podcast is like, "Come on!" I was waiting for that. Yeah, topic. right. Well, can I give you another quote of Please. something that I I thought was so well said, and and uh, I think it's on this little bit it's from a book by a person you know of, uh, John Dickerson, "Hope yes. of Nations." Mm-hmm. He said this. And I think this captures something quite nicely. 
He says, keep in mind that there are conservative, truth-based thinkers in America who are Americans first and Christians second. Yes. They are more committed to a scaffold of conservative American values than to the teachings of Christ. Mm -hmm. As with any ideology that is placed before Christ, the position is idolatry. Yes. And I think that's very difficult for a lot of people to sort out. Yes. Am I an American? You know, we, it gets real fuzzy by a lot of people of it's, you know, the old phrase, it's um, guns, family, and God, or is it God, guns, and family, or is it God, family, and guns? Uh, you know, a lot of people don't yeah. think that through right. because we, most of us, love our country. Yes. It's given us unbelievable opportunity it's been a beacon for millions for decades and so naturally you're you have patriotic thoughts and you don't want to see that be destroyed Mm -hmm. and yet to the extent it is um and and you have to figure out your christian faith comes before your allegiance in every way to your uh, country, you, you, you need to be clear about that. Yeah. And of course, the ideal would be, and we've lived it for most of our lives, is that they're not mutually exclusive, that right. they're very nicely overlapping. Yeah. And what we're seeing is that separation is beginning to occur. Yeah, I, I believe that our politics should not define our Christian faith. Absolutely. Our Christian faith should define our politics. Well said. Uh, and, and, and that is not happening. You know, our politics are defining our faith. Um, and, and in a scary way, um, and I would say, uh, and this is where we're going to have we're going to have to end. Uh, I'll let you respond. I'll let you have the final word. Well, that's that's what you just said yeah. is what he's saying. It says those people are more committed to a scaffold of conservative American values yes. than the teachings of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Our our job as Christians, and I want to make sure we, we summarize this for the podcast um, for the listener. Um, you know, as I hear us talking. Um, you know, the main teachable lesson here is that um, our job is to love. Our job is to, uh, to be uh, faithful to Christ and to let politics be defined by that faithfulness. Yeah. Uh, whatever that looks like, because you can be progressive and be a Christian. You can be conservative and be a Christian. Uh, you, and at the same time, you can be both progressive and conservative um, when it comes to loving this country and wanting the best for it, uh, you know, uh, and so yeah, that's God created the donkey and the elephant. Right? <laughs> there you uh, go. Yeah, you know, yeah. God's in charge of all of it. That is well said. That plus, I'm at the end of my second cup of coffee. Sounds like the precise place to end. <laughs> yes, so, that's right. Yeah, so, well, well said. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening today. As always, uh, if you would like to. Uh, uh, to, to comment on today's discussion, um, you can email me, Larry at cornerstonerock.org. Uh, you can find us on Facebook if you're looking for a church. You can search us at, at CCC Brownsburg. Uh, you can go to our website, uh, cornerstonerock.org. Or we'd love to see you at a, at a worship service each and every Sunday at 9 and 1030. Uh, we, we have a great worship, great biblical teaching, and great fellowship. Uh, so we'd love to see you. Come ask for me, uh, and I, I will make you feel at home, I promise, uh, regardless of your political persuasion. <laughs> uh, 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 and uh, listen, if you uh, don't mind, if you like what you're hearing, um, please subscribe on iTunes. 
you can just search for Coffee and Conversation or search for my name, Larry Vinson, V-I-N-S-O-N, and rate and review us because that helps us get uh, recognized on the search engines a little bit more. So uh, with that said, uh, thanks for listening. We will see you next week on the Coffee and Conversation podcast. Yeah.